This message was recorded during a conference for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. His fellow thief, and he says, don't you see the irony? You a condemned criminal mocking this man, and you know you deserve to be on that cross. You're a thief. You're a criminal. You're being punished according to your sins. Fairness is happening to you right now. But this is an innocent man. How dare you? Truly, how dare you make fun of him? So he defends Jesus, and then he turns to Jesus, and he says in verse 42, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, this man's speech is actually extraordinary. Think about this for just a second. Think about this. This man's speech is extraordinary. He's hanging next to a crucified man who is literally dying, and somehow he believes he's coming into a kingdom. It's extraordinary faith. Think about that. Jesus is there gasping, and nobody, and I mean nobody, survived Roman crucifixion. But somehow this thief thinks that Jesus is coming into a kingdom. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary what he believed that this thief, he realizes the problem that his sin has caused. He realizes that he deserves to die. He realizes that Jesus hasn't done anything wrong. There is something unusual about this man who's dying even though he's innocent. He realizes that he needs a savior and he realizes there is nothing more impressive in life than what this man is doing as he bleeds next to him and he believes he is heading into a kingdom. It's an amazing faith that this man exercises. Remember me, dying crucified man, as you come into your kingdom. He needs a saving king. And he sees that king in this man bleeding and dying on the cross next to him. Now, what's extraordinary about this thief is that we find out in the gospel of Matthew, he didn't start out this way. Matthew records in chapter 27, verse 44, that the robbers, plural, the robbers who were crucified with Jesus also reviled him in the same way. So Matthew records a point at which both robbers were apparently mocking Jesus. So they're both there. They're both mocking Jesus. And then Luke records a later point. At some point, this thief changed his mind. He went from joining in, yeah, if you're really the Christ, get us off the cross. Ah, oh, good point. What kind of a loser savior are you? And then suddenly conviction strikes him and he realizes, wait a minute. I, I think he actually is the king. And he turns from mocking Jesus to rebuking his friend. Don't you fear God? Somehow the fear of God strikes him. He sees who Jesus is. He sees that he's innocent. He believes he's coming into a kingdom. And in that moment, he is converted from a mocking thief to a desperate thief. He's converted and he turns to Jesus and he asks him to save him after his death. He asks him to save him after his death. It's, it's an extraordinary conversion. It's the last conversion of Jesus' life before he died. It's an extraordinary conversion. Something that this man saw caused him to change from mocking Jesus to trusting Jesus, to believing in Jesus. It reminds me of, of a story that I read one time about a, a Mr. George Whitfield, who was a preacher several hundred years ago, a very famous preacher, preached to hundreds of people out in the fields. 
And there were people at that time who dedicated themselves to mocking him. He was a fairly odd-looking man, apparently. And they would make fun of him. And, and there was one guy named Mr. Thorpe. And, and Mr. Thorpe apparently was really good at imitations. He was really good at imitations. And he was part of something that they called the Hellfire Club. The Hellfire Club, it says, among their amusements was that of holding imitations of religious services and exhibiting popular ministers. They would mimic them for mockery and in jest and so forth. So as the story goes, Thorpe went to hear George Whitfield preach so that he might caricature him before his associates. So he went to listen to him just so that he could make fun of him more effectively, more accurately. When the Hellfire Club met to see his character, one person writes, when the Hellfire Club met to see his character of Whitfield, Thorpe opened the Bible <laughs> that he might take a text to preach from it after the manner of Whitfield. So here's this guy. He's going to mock preach Whitfield. His eye, Thorpe, fell on the passage. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And as he spoke upon that text, trying to imitate Whitfield in mockery, he was carried beyond himself. He lost all thought of mockery. He spoke as one in earnest, and he was the means of his own conversion. Well, that's what happened to this thief. It was something like that. He's there saying, oh, you think you're the Christ? You think you're the son of David? Well, you, come on, you think you're innocent? You think you're the king of kings? You think you're coming into a kingdom? And all of a sudden, he says, I, I think he is. I, I think he is that. And if he is that, then, then he's the only one that can save me. How, I, I'm crucified next to the one person that can save me. And he stops and he says, stop mocking him. And Jesus, will you please save me? Perhaps it was listening to the insults of the crowd as they mocked Jesus as king. Perhaps it was reading the sign, king of the Jews. Perhaps it was hearing Jesus from the cross say, I'm thirsty. Revealing his human weakness. Perhaps it was hearing him pray for those who crucified him. I don't know what it was exactly, but something, the Holy Spirit used something to reveal to this man that though he had been mocking, he needed to start believing. So he did. He started believing. And I think that this man is one of the people that I'd like to talk to earliest when I get to heaven. Because this man was feet away when Jesus was dying for my sins. I'm not sure anyone had a better perspective than this man. First of all, he can tell me what crucifixion felt like, but he can also say, what Jesus sounded like. I'd like to talk to him. I'd like to talk to him what it was like to hear a man pierced his hands and his feet, suffocating in his own fluid, using his breath to pray for those who crucified him. What was that like, brother? I'd like to ask him, 
What did it sound like? When you heard Jesus' guttural cry, my God, why have you forsaken me? What did that sound like? Was he weeping when he said it? Did it sound like a a depth of agony that even you on the cross could not imagine? What did it sound like when he said, it is finished? Brother, I want to know, because he was saying that for me. I want to know. Tell me what it sounded like. Say it again. Tell me what you heard. Tell me what you saw. Tell me what it was like when he did not open his mouth to respond to all the mockery. Was he like a lamb led to the slaughter? who stayed silent, what was it like? What was it like when the sky darkened and the ground shook and it seemed that the earth itself was coming to an end? What was it like? What was it like when he said, Father, Into your hands, I commit my spirit, believing to the very end. Tell me what that was like, because he gave that righteousness to me. Tell me what that was like. Brother, tell me what it was like, because you watched him die in my place. You saw him bear the full guilt of my sin. You saw him groan under the weight of my sin. You were a witness of the cost of my salvation. You were a witness of what it cost Jesus Christ to make it possible that John the sinner could be in the presence of God. You were a witness of why I can pray and have hope that God hears me and why I can die without fear. You were a reason why when I'm suffering, I can be at peace and why when I go through life uncertain, I can be calm. You were a reason because you saw the refuge of my soul be cleft in my place. You watched him. So tell me what it's like. And tell me again. This blazing fire, we're still going to be talking about in heaven. That's why when you get to Revelation and John describes heaven, 
they're still singing about Jesus who shed his blood to ransom people from every tribe and nation. The cross is not this thing that was an unfortunate blink in history that we want to forget about. We're going to be going back and remembering what Jesus did forever. Now, this is valuable, I think, to us. This thief is valuable to us, and he's especially valuable to anyone, anyone, who even after hearing this morning about the the promise of God to forgive sins, what comes to your mind is, yeah, but I am, I am really sinful. I've been a Christian for 30 years and somehow I'm still sinning in the most obvious ways. Or I've been a Christian not very long and I don't think that God wants to take me and all of the things that I've done into his kingdom. I can't seem to stop doing these things. Or I did that one thing that I am sure, I am sure that nobody wants to hear about and definitely God does not want to forgive. Listen, this, this thief is remembered in the scriptures as a gift to every Christian. Because this thief was there on the cross, an example of someone who is rightly punished for his sins. And this thief was able to turn to Jesus and ask for salvation. There is, there is none of us that shouldn't be able to identify with this thief. And none of us should look at this thief and think, well, I, 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 I'm not sure God's able to save me because of my sin. Look at what Jesus did in the final moments of his life. Even the thief at the end was able to turn to Jesus. So if you think, if you think, I, I, I've done the thing whether for the thousandth time or for the one time that I did it, that I, I, I just can't feel forgiven. I, I can't feel forgiven. I've, I've tried to feel I can't feel forgiven. Come alongside this thief. Come alongside this thief. Let him encourage you. Let him comfort you. <laughs> he would say, listen, you, you've got nothing on me. <laughs> you've got, let, let, me, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you, because I watched it, that it was enough. The thief and his question invites us to have hope, even in our darkest moments of sin. Octavius Winslow the pastor from England says, you may in some moments of spiritual despondency appear to your own view so vile and unlovely as to be beyond the pale of God's loving and complacent regard. You can only think of and view yourself with deepest self-abhorrence and yet at that moment of spiritual prostration, your person standing in Christ clad in his imputed righteousness and lovely to the loveliness he has put upon you, is an object of his ineffable delight. And all his parental gracious and tender thoughts are entwined around you with a grasp from which nothing shall ever separate you. It leads us to the third character, the most important character of all, the saving king. There's a mocking thief. He's a warning. There's a desperate thief. He should bring us hope. And there's a saving king. 
and he should warm our hearts. He should warm our hearts. Look at Jesus' response. Truly, I say to you, today,
You've been listening to a conference given for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.